never-ending shopping list. Anybody ever seen that song before? Some of you still have that TV at your house? Prayer is not a shopping list, but we oftentimes treat prayer that way. A list of things, we'll just settle for a couple of things on that list. Today's sermon, though, which concludes the sermon series, is probably the most difficult sermon that I have to preach about prayer. And that is when God answers no to our prayers. I'm hesitant to preach this sermon because it really runs countercultural to the way people do Christianity today. They think that God is a God of yes and go and do and victory. But sometimes God answers no to our prayers. My father died with Lou Gehrig's disease. It was a seven-year battle. I was a preacher. My brother Matt was a preacher. His church, my church, my parents' church, lots of churches, all praying that God would heal my father, that, that God would restore my dad. And we believed it without doubt, and we knew that God could do it. And yet my father died with Lou Gehrig's, and that was hard to accept. Did I do something wrong? I mean, I'm a preacher. I should have some special power in my prayer, right? But sometimes God answers no. And that's the reality. But trust me, entire churches make a living on preaching a gospel that God never says no. World overcomers, world changers, Victory Chapel, Limitless Church. If you believe, you believe and you don't doubt, then God will give you the victory. God will change your world. Our God is a God of yes, but I have yet to see a church entitled we are the no church. Just not popular. But listen, it's a message that we need to hear. Might not be something that we want to hear personally, but we're thankful that God said no to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane because it's his death, right? His blood that was shed that covers our sins. So yeah, we love the fact that it applies to Jesus because that's how we're saved. But all we don't want to know for us, do we? The key point of prayer that I want to teach through this series is that prayer is not a shopping list. Prayer is not manipulating God to get your way. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is communication with God. See, some people still think that prayer is some kind of tool where they can get something from God. They practice formulas, memorize formulas. They play these weird mental games where if I don't doubt, if I don't doubt, then God will give me what I really want or I really got to believe. If I really, really, really believe, then I'll get it. Well, we think that we can manipulate God, but God can't be manipulated. God has an answer. It's not based on our degree of confidence or our lack of doubt. Our prayers are answered by a God. Not by how we pray, how often we pray, or how much we mean it. Our prayers are answered by a living God. Prayer centers on God, not on our weird head games. Prayer is communication with God. And sometimes God says no. 
So today we're going to examine a really important story where God says no. It's important because God says no to his one and only son. And this is found in Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 through 46. If you have your Bibles or your electronic devices, you can find that, but I'll have it on the screen. Matthew chapter 26, verses 30 through 46. Now, the reason that this story is so important is because it teaches us how we should pray even when the answer looks like it might be no. How did Jesus pray when the answer looked like it was going to be no? And let's just be honest. Jesus was confident in God because he was God. Jesus prayed without doubt. Jesus did it right. And yet the answer was still no. And yet he prayed anyway. So I think we could look at this passage and we can learn some things about praying when things look grim. Can I use that word, grim? Doubtful? Here we go, Matthew chapter 26. If you're physically able out of reverence for God's word, I ask that you would stand. I'm going to read these 16 verses. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if I'll fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell to his face on the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he said to Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away the second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and away, went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Please be seated. This is a powerful story where Jesus prayed to God three times about the same exact prayer, and God answered no. But the first thing that I want you to get from this for your own lives is that we need to pray even when things look bad. Don't give up hope. Why did Jesus pray when he knew the answer was no? 
He even says it. Did you see it in chapter 26, the verse before? He tells them that they were going to desert him. He was predicting what would happen. He knew what was going to happen. He was self-aware. He was the Son of God. Why did he pray when he knew the answer was going to be no? Some have speculated. Some think that maybe Jesus didn't know that he was going to be betrayed. Do, do you really believe that based on all the predictions that Jesus made? Some people say, well, he didn't think he would have to die. He was just hoping he would get arrested and released on parole. Do you really think that to be the case when he knew after instituting the Lord's Supper that his blood was going to be shed as an atonement for sin? Some people think that Jesus just didn't understand the prophecies about him, the scriptures. Do you think Jesus, the Son of God, did not understand the scripture? Some people think that Jesus was just going through the motions. Well, I might as well pray a few times just to pass the time. Do you think Jesus was the kind of person to go through the motions? Some people think that Jesus never even prayed those three times. They think that the church came in and wrote that about Jesus to make him look good. Do you really think the Bible was written in such a way? No. Why did Jesus pray when he knew that the answer was probably no? He prayed because prayer is communication with God. That's what we do when things look bad, right? During difficult times, that's when we communicate. That's when we pray. You know, one of the worst things about this pandemic is how it breaks up families when someone is suffering in the hospital. You know that? Person's in the hospital. Their lifelong companion is not able to go into the hospital and sit at their bedside and hold their hand and be with them. And so they suffer and maybe even die alone. And we know that's wrong, don't we? We all know that we're going to die. But don't we want to be with those whom we love in the shadow of death? Don't we want to communicate with them? That's what Jesus was doing. He knew the scriptures. He knew that things looked, can I say grim? But he prayed anyway, because prayer is not a secret formula. It's not a shopping list. It is communication with God. And when we are hard-pressed, when we are at the crossroads, when things look grim, that's the time that we pray. So we pray when things are difficult. But did you notice that he prayed the same thing three times? The same thing three times. He went off on his own. He laid on the ground, face to the ground, and three times he prayed the same thing. Very little variation. Can't you come up with some kind of original prayer? Can't you write it all out? Can't you explain to God why this is unfair, unjust? Why pray the same thing three times? Did God not hear the first time? 
Why do you have to say it three times in the same way? Well, of course, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Three times is an ongoing theme in the scriptures. How many times did Satan tempt Jesus in the wilderness? Three times. So, of course, it's got to be, I guess, three times. Did he think that God didn't hear him the first time? Did he, did he pray three times to make himself feel better? I don't think so. He certainly wasn't babbling so that as many words would be heard. His prayer was almost a condensed version of the Lord's Prayer. Protect me from death. May your will be done. Those are both in the Lord's Prayer. But why three times? I think three times because he believed that God would listen. Even though things look grim, I think Jesus knew that God sometimes changes his mind. God sometimes changes his mind. There's a story. You remember this story. God was saddened by all that he made, and he decided that he was going to wipe out all of creation and start over by a great flood. But instead of starting all over, Noah found favor in his sight. But God changed his mind, and he worked through Noah. There's another story where some angels were going to go to this terrible city a plain Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were going to wipe it out unless a hundred righteous people were found. And Abram worked with God and, and bargained him down to, to ten people. If you can find ten righteous people, would you destroy the city? And God's like, no, if I can find ten righteous people in the city, then I won't wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. But, but alas, ten were not found who are righteous. Yet God changed his mind. I think probably the best example of God changing his mind was when a prophet named Jonah went to Nineveh. Do you remember the story? And he went to Nineveh. He didn't want to go. That's why we have the whale swallowing him. And he preached doom and gloom and despair. And he thought it was pointless, right? But guess what? The Ninevites heard and they repented and ashes and sackcloth from the king all the way down to the animals in the field. I'm not sure how you put sackcloth and ashes on animals. But all of Nineveh repented. Remember? And you know who got mad, right? Jonah did. But God changed his mind. I think that Jesus prayed three times because Jesus knows what we know, God is not some distant God who predetermines everything and doesn't listen to anything, and he just does whatever God does because we don't understand his way, but instead God hears and he listens and he responds and even changes his mind. Because prayer is not some kind of magic formula. It's communication with God. It's hard to get Christians today to pray more than once. 
three times, went off. God, Jesus could have just sat in the upper room, reclining at the sofa, closing his eyes, praying to God. I think God would have heard him from the, from the recliner in the upper room, don't you? But no, no, he goes out to the garden, puts his face in the ground, asks people to go with him three times. Hard to get Christians out of their recliner at home. Maybe it's because we don't think that God really hears and responds. Maybe we think if we just say it one time, that's good enough. Not even Jesus thought that. But I also want to remind you, people have abused this passage. They've said something like, you know what, you should only ask God three times for something. Any more than that is a sin. Did you get that in there? I don't think so. I think he ran out of time. On the third time, look, here comes my betrayer. I mean, time's up. I bet you had he had more time, it would have been more than three. I'm speculating, of course. But I do remember somebody telling my father with Lou Gehrig's as he's dying, hey, listen, Jack, you can only pray for this three times. Three times? Over seven years? Are you serious? What kind of biblical interpretation is that? What I want to remind you is that God can take it you can ask for the same thing in the same way over and over and over again, and God's okay. Because he knows how hard-pressed we are. And he hears it and he appreciates it. But then again, it should be moderated with the truth that prayer is communication with God. If you've ever had kids or grandkids, they have probably asked you for something more than once. Good chance. Now, have you told your kids that you're only allowed to ask for something three times? How, how'd that go for you? No. In fact, when it comes to Christmas, I'm just telling on myself, Natalie, don't listen to this. I love when she asked for things, especially when she was little and it was cheap stuff that we could like, and I want this and I want this because I wanted to make her happy. I wanted to hear more and more. Now, if Natalie came to me every day and said, oh, dad, would you please give me food today to eat? And every day I heard that and she's never gone without a meal, that probably would upset me, right? Because that's not authentic communication. So prayer is communication with God, and it's honest communication with God. And the more hard-pressed we are, the more we go to God, maybe even with the same request. And if you've watched a loved one, a brother, a daughter, a family member struggle with addiction, you know what I'm talking about. You just can't pray enough because God is your best hope. And nothing is set in stone. 
even God changes his mind. But the thing that I wanted to leave with you today, which to me is very powerful, is number three, Jesus prayed with other people. He didn't go off alone. He went with the disciples after they sang a hymn to the garden. So now he's with 12, or actually 11, because Judas was gone, right? And then from the 11, he took the three to go with him. So he went with the three. And then he had the three who were supposed to be watching and praying right there. And he went a little bit distance from them, and he prayed on his own. He prayed with other people. Now, I, I really think in my heart of hearts, Jesus' prayer was fine. He didn't need other people to pray to add power to it. He needed other people to pray because there's strength and encouragement when other people pray. Have a prayer meeting. Two people show up. Well, listen, you're still praying to God. That's fine. Have a prayer meeting and 400 people show up. You know what the encouragement is involved in that? You see, Jesus wanted other people to pray with him because people give strength and encouragement. Don't take my word for it. Notice how frustrated he gets that they can't stay awake. He says something like, can't you just stay awake for an hour? He's frustrated. It's, it's hard to get people to pray for an hour. It's hard to get people to commit to an hour. Well, I know. I know. I know. We don't really need people to come together in order for God to hear our prayers. My prayer from my recliner at my house is a prayer. God hears it. I don't need other people joining along. I understand. I understand the theology behind prayer. But would you recognize that there is strength and encouragement when people come together and pray? And even Jesus was frustrated with it all. But thankfully, he doesn't condemn them. Did you see what he said about them? He said that the spirit is strong, but flesh is weak. For the spirit is willing. Do you see that? See, Jesus recognizes that we're dealing with humans here. We have good intentions, right? But the follow-through is lacking. Jesus doesn't come back and start striking them on the head, kicking them out of the disciples. Up, oh, you're no longer a disciple. Yeah, you couldn't do it. You couldn't cut it. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He's frustrated, but he recognizes the weakness of his followers. You might be frustrated with the church. You might think, well, the church is... It's just a bunch of this, or just does this. I don't care. You know, hey, it's easy to criticize the church. Hey, go on the internet. You can find bad stuff about every church all the time. It's easy, easy. But would you understand that the, the church is full of people who are willing in spirit, but weak in flesh? I think Jesus understood that. But Jesus still 
chose to pray, to pray with people because there is strength in praying together, especially during difficult times. Prayer is what's needed in our world, in our country. Prayer is what's needed. In our family, prayer is what is needed. And listen to this. Prayer is what's needed in this church. And we need to pray together. I know you can I know you can pray alone. I can pray alone. Let me tell you, there's there's a lot of encouragement in prayer. Let me just close with this. Um I have some very close friends in this church. People observe who the preacher is friends with. You know? Oh, he's friends with that person because they're wealthy, or he's friends friends with that person because they own a business, or he's friends with that person because it, people try to figure out who the preacher is friends with. I try to figure out who I'm friends with. But you know, you know who have I in ten years have developed the closest connection with is people who I pray with. We pray together. We talk about our kids. We talk about our country. We talk about our church. We talk about our staff. We talk about ourselves. And in 10 years, prayer has created a level of intimacy you just can't get by fist bumping somebody on Sunday. It's a, it's a deep, intimate connection that only comes through prayer. I think Jesus knew that in the garden. I think that's why he was upset that his disciples were praying. But he was gracious too. So as I conclude this series on prayer... I want you to remember, sometimes God says no. But you pray anyway. You pray anyway. Because you need to in the shadow of death. You need to communicate to the very end with God. And listen, just because things look grim, Jesus knows, we know, God hears. Sometimes God even changes his mind. So you pray anyway. And don't say, I've already done that. I prayed and God said no. It's, until it's a done deal, it's not a done deal. You keep praying three times, ten times. You don't even have to be original. You share your heart. Not like a babbling pagan hoping that by your many words you're heard, but instead like a daughter calls out to her father, you communicate with God. And lastly, can we be the kind of church that prays together? Because we need each other. Oh, do we need each other? At a time like now, we certainly need God and we certainly need each other. Jesus knew that. And I'm pretty sure that none of us 
is stronger than Jesus. Amen.